Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is a more than just podcast production. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 344 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr., as usual, on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? All right. And I just want to point out we're recording on the second day of the second month of 2022. So this is officially 2222. And I sent you guys a text message at uh, roughly 222 today. Did you get it? I did. Yeah. I did. Did you not did get you open the response? At 222? <laughs> I got the response. Yeah, I started explaining to my, my granddaughter, she's here for the, the evening, what, what the significance of the date was. And she's like, I don't get it. <laughs> but, you know, in 20 days, you're going to be celebrating again because it'll be 2-22-22. Really? February oh. 22nd, right? Mm. Okay. All right. Isn't well, that, that even better? Put, that, put and, that on the calendar for sure. And if you make it in another 200 years, it'll be even better. <laughs> Well, that's what Carol was saying earlier today, but I don't think I'm going to make it there. I don't think you're going to make it there either. Jaime might have an outside chance. Keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, Jaime might get the new eye body from Apple in a few years. Right. He'll be able to live that long. I don't know. Jaime's catching up to us, I think. Sorry, Jaime. Yeah, that's how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Asymptotically start, you know, uh, dealing with age where you're just effectively infinite at some point. Yeah, there's no difference between you know 500 and a thousand. It's like that's that's basically infinite. There's no no reason to keep track anymore. <laughs> Once you're past 35, you're just old to everyone under under 30. So we're mm-hmm. all the same. Yeah. All righty. All right. So a little bit of fact check to begin the show. Uh, we were talking about the Apple Car project, uh, and apparently the, the the code name that they run under is Titan. At least that's what the rumor mill has going for it. So yeah, I couldn't remember the name of the um, Apple Car project or the supposed Apple Car project. Um, 
And uh, we were debating, uh, I think, uh, some, I can't remember, or buddybuild.com. If you go to buddybuild.com now, it uh, redirects you to Xcode Cloud. So I think it's safe to say that Xcode Cloud is a product built under, built on top of BuddyBuild. What do you think about that? Sounds reasonable? Sounds reasonable. Makes sense to me, and it does sort of answer, you know, we had wondered many, many years ago, you know, what what did they do with them? Where we, nothing had struck us as like immediately obvious other than a few uh, test flight sort of um, nice features. We're like, well, it does more than that. You know, where's the other stuff? And it looks like they've gone the way of, of building presumably all of this, um, you know, big amount of infrastructure to make that possible, which presumably takes time to do. You can't just say, oh, cool, just copy and paste over the code from Buddy Build and call it good. Yeah, that's true. I mean, well, and, and and the thing is, like, you know, having seen the Buddy Build demos for, starting in 2014 at, at NS North, um, it very much sounds like what XCloud is is sort of doing, right? In terms of, you know, how it's how it's interfacing, you know, how easy it is to get a build going, you know, that kind of stuff, and and invite fee- people to test flights and that kind of stuff, right? Even though it wasn't was it test light? I can't remember, but I, I do remember that, you know. You handed over your, the keys to your account, and then and then Buddy Build would you know um, integrate it into your into your Xcode builds and stuff like that. So it sounds very much like a proper CI kind of solution, right? Uh, but using the cloud at the time, right? Um, that's what they were doing. All right. Um, um, so we had an MTJU, we're calling it crossover, <laughs> the multi, uh, the more than just code universe, or more than just universe. Um, I guess it's MTJPU, right? story that we talked about it last week on uh, on Spotcast, but we're going to talk about it here again today because it's relevant. Uh, so obviously for, for Spotcast, we're into, you know, sci-fi and characters and stuff like that. And the story came out of the Toronto Star last week that um, uh, the stars of X-Men and Avengers had assembled to invest in record, a record uh, 620 million U.S. into Toronto Agile Bits product, One Password. And uh, so that was kind of an interesting story. Congratulations to our pals over at One Password. I think I mentioned uh, uh, clearly we had uh, Rustam on a few weeks ago on one of our, or I guess last month uh, on uh, this show here, talking about uh, his his career and when where One Password came from and some of the things that they they sort of went through and, and changing their business, evolving, growing obviously larger. So we've got people like Matthew McConaughey, Rita Wilson, Aston Kutcher. Uh, Trevor Noah, Justin Timberlake, Pharrell Williams, as well as Ryan Williams, as in Scarlett Johansson's Robert Downey Jr., and Chris Evans. And I'm sure it's probably just there, whatever companies are involved in there doing the investing. It's not, I don't know if it would be necessarily them specifically, right? Well, actually, these celebrity investors, they generally do, it is their own money. And it's, they, they maybe have a person who's, you know, searching out the opportunities and connecting them with the, with the uh with the companies but you know very often yeah they'll the celebrity themselves will just go to the site and meet the people and write a check in my last startup we had we had a couple of those uh, who were involved as as investors not those particular ones you mentioned but you know people of that status stature sure yeah, yeah. well yeah. i do yeah but yeah six, 620 million is a, is a pretty sizable investment i mean that that values them at you know probably Several billion dollars, six point eight billion dollars. Oh, six point eight billion. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So nice. the yeah. the the valuation is 
45 times the expected revenue for 2021 of 150 million, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's quite the yeah, ratio. Yeah, that's that's not a that's not too surprising for a for a growing company. I would say, you know, for an established company, you know, price to sales is you know maybe around 10 or something like that. All these although these days stuff is expensive, so maybe mm-hmm. maybe even higher. Um, but yeah, for you know, for a for a growing company, you're you're paying for what you think it's going to be worth in a, in a couple of years or whatever. So so forty five, you know, if you think it's growing a lot, then forty five seems not not unreasonable. Yeah, there was an article. I don't think it was this one, but there was one that talked about businesses accounting for sixty percent of their revenue. So I think a lot of the sort of you know, investment interest here is growth in that mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. sort of thing where. You, you, sell you mean the like Boeing business, of the Microsoft clients? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, sure. They like, I think taking your, your, your dollars for your family plan for you and my like $5 40, a month, you 45 mean five yeah. members yeah. of your family. Okay, <laughs> sure. But like what they really want is a corporation to say, Hey, yep. we have a problem with passwords being on sticky notes or being one, two, three, four, five. What if we just paid one password to manage yeah. that stuff for us? Here's, here's 20 million bucks. Let, Every one of our employees use this. Yeah, yeah. Especially because yeah, yeah. you let right. the IT yeah. admins be able yep. to like, oh, I locked myself up. Okay, well, we're gonna unlock you, you know, send you the special code or you know, other enterprisey things of being able to reconnect you. It also disconnect you of like, oh, so and so got fired. All right, remove their access to the business one password so they can't do anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and if you go, if you want to go back and listen to I think it was two episodes ago, um, on this show, Rouseman talks about in fact the I think the weekend that I met him uh, was the weekend of Venice North 2014, and that was when that was when they the, t- the team decided to go into supplying businesses with uh, with um, one password product as as you know on mass, like you said, and that for them was a was a game changing uh, weekend. So that's the beginning of the beginning of it, and you know obviously the family family plan that I'm on that Jaime's talking about um, came out of that, and I think I pay. I want to say approximately five dollars a month. I pay like annually, like I pay a, a, a fee once a year, but it gives me five five seats, as it were, right? And uh, that's obviously a lot smaller than a business plan, but still, um, I sleep well at night, and I know that my passwords are all pretty well safe, and I can access them anywhere, anywhere I want, and so on and so forth. Um, I mean, I originally, I guess we originally would have bought. I mean, I know I paid money. I bought, I paid for the uh, the One Password app on my Mac, and then I also paid for the iOS version. Um, I guess if you get One Password now, do you get the? I guess you get the apps for free if you subscribe. Do you know? You're you're also a trend a converter too, aren't you, Hami? Yeah, I've been on the subscription plan um, to sync things to all my devices through their services and. Um, yeah, I think the app is is free, and you pay for the subscription service. Oh, okay. I don't recall paying yeah, for the app when uh, when I got it. I think it had already switched to. Um, it's really hard to call it a freemium model because it increasingly does less um, out of the box if you don't use their syncing service. I don't even recall if they offer still the Dropbox and then other models of uh, of syncing your stuff. I did see some some complaints recently on on the Twitterverse about people who I guess who were legacy users because as as they move more towards their online subscription model, I think that's uh, I'm beta testing the, the password eight right now and it's it's much nicer than the seven one. Um, Rustin was right about that. Uh, he suggested I tried the the beta. You can you can go to their site and, and um, 
I think what is early adopter. I'll put a link in the show notes here for if people are interested in trying it out. But uh, it does work much better. And and he's getting rid of that sort of. I think one of my complaints is I have my old legacy password, and I have the new subscription password. And and so my newer machines, I have to use the new password, whereas the old ones still use the legacy password. And those complaining to him about that and he said he sort of said well you know when you get to the next version it's going to be all the one password for everybody you know true to its name as or right <laughs> so good old tim you know never met a edge case he didn't like yeah mitra right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i never met a chase i liked you mean yeah you should uh, you should just exactly. you know charge a consulting fee of like all right i've got this incredibly complicated several decades plus setup let's make sure that your qa is good i'm gonna i'm gonna give you bug reports you know it's it's funny you laugh about that but it's it's like i'm actually a test case at the bank too because like um because i've had my bank my account for so long my actual branch has moved three times right and and in fact my branch doesn't even exist anymore right so we were doing something, I think we had to do like, uh, we, had to, we have to send, uh, you, you can go into the app and you can, you can show me, say, show me my direct deposit information, right? And we'll give you the, you know, the transit number and the bank code and the account number and so on and so forth, right? In a PDF that you can share with people if they want to do like direct deposit or something like that, right? And because my branch moved, I, I, it didn't work for me, right? And I'm like, hey, what's up, what's up with this? And so we actually opened up a bug, and I was used as the guinea pig to test whether the feature was working properly. It goes back a few years, but yeah. So yeah, you laugh, but you know, if you've been around long enough, you've seen it all, right? And Mark and I have been around that long, and Jaime's catching up, as we said before. All righty. Um, yeah, so this is a follow-up story to that. Uh, now, we've talked about China and we talked about Asia. I think, what do we call it? BRIC? Uh, the Brazil, Russia, India, what's that thing called, Jaime? And China. China. Yeah. yeah. Yep. China, yeah. Okay, BRIC. Um, so, because for the longest time, you know, Android sort of ruled the roost over there in, in you know, in Asia and stuff like that, but partly because of the price of, of iPhones and stuff like that. It was the story, right? But... Uh, this story here is that uh, in the fourth quarter of last year, or this year, I guess, um, last year, I guess, um, Reuters is reporting that Apple finally has grabbed uh, market share in China, um, which is kind of a cool, cool thing, I guess, sort of a milestone for them. And that's follow, as Greg says, everything, eventually everything's follow up on this show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the iPhone 13 was the, was the tipping point for uh China plus, I think that the Huawei controversies, right? It's kind of interesting to see what ends up happening with the handsets. Um, sh- surely, stuff like in the states, the Huawei stuff, uh, previous presidential administration hurt their ability to, you know, losing access to one of the most lucrative markets in the world is going to hurt your ability to be powerful globally when it comes to your results. But that would not have applied in China itself. So it's interesting to see how. Apple's brand sort of ebbs and flows within China itself, um, vis-a-vis other, you know, local Chinese brands, as well as um, Samsung, which is, you know, I think still global leader. Is that right? For handsets sold? I, I don't even actually know. Probably, probably. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the, the, the article here. I mean, it talks about, you know, Apple's market share uh, reached 23%, a record for the brand, it says in the article here. And... um yeah, unit sales grew 32% year over year in the quarter. So, Although, interesting, so total smartphone sales in China fell 9%. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. so sales volume grew and market share grew, which means 
yeah, for sure, it means it's taking it away from someone, presumably Huawei. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The article does say the analyst uh, cited a lower starting price in China and the impact of U.S. sanctions against Huawei. So yeah, cool. it must the sanctions, I guess, would probably be something in the supply chain. There's some parts or whatever that Huawei needs. That then the U.S. sanctions are impacting that, I guess, because as you, as yeah. I said, it's it, the sales here in this country wouldn't count against these numbers. You wouldn't think so. It must yeah. be some indirect yeah. thing. Don't know. Yeah, yeah. So you know what that means, though, right? That means that if you if you haven't already added Chinese language uh, localization into your app, you probably should think about doing it now. You know, because you're you're missing out on the market. So that's growing. Alrighty. Well, and depends depends what your product is. I, I'm not sure TD Bank has too many customers in China. Uh, you'd be surprised. Maybe, well, we don't have some. not in China, not in China specifically, but we do yeah. support Chinese language in our phones, uh-huh. Uh-huh. in our apps. Yeah, um, yeah. No, well, I mean that could most of my be for Canadian customers, though. No, it, no, it definitely is for Canadian customers. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of silly not to have Chinese in your app these days. But mm-hmm. um, I just meant like, like I actually have. I think uh, device trackers localized, and um, Two for Life was localized. So to support you know, more than like, I, I have definitely got uh, at least one version of Chinese in in, my, in one of my apps, and so I do see do see sales over there. Just that's why I was saying to people, if you haven't thought about it, now is the time. It's always the time to localize your app, actually. I shouldn't say that. Um, yeah, and so I think last week, was it last week we talked about this a bit on the show? Uh, we've been talking about this this Pegasus exploit, the, you know, the, um, I forgot the name of the company now, that, that um, in uh, Israel, I want to say, that, that created that um, uh, exploit uh, with the spyware software. And um, so last, uh, last week or so, uh, Apple uh, rolled out updates to uh, iOS and macOS to cover off these zero-day uh, patches, right, that they had to put in. Um, apparently, there's a, a memory bug called IO, IO Mobile Frame Buffer that affects Monterey pa- iPad OS and iOS. So if you hadn't, I think, Jaime, you were doing a PSA on podcast last week, right, um, telling people to get out there and update their phones and their devices, right? Yeah, I mean, if you somehow still haven't, you really should, because these were scary. Visit a link and your toast um, sort of things. They weren't ones that required a whole bunch of exotic things to happen. They were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty easy to run across. So definitely, definitely helps to go. Uh, man, it was frustrating updating macOS on work device, personal device, upgrading my iPhone, upgrading my iPad, updating my Apple Watch, just every, uh, my HomePod, everything decided that it needed <laughs> an update. So thankfully, working yeah. from home does make that a little bit easier. I can sort of multitask while I'm doing that, but it's still kind of a hassle. Yeah, for sure. So it's 15.3 is the uh, iOS, iPadOS version you want to look at. And um, I think it, I forget what it is, 12. Actually, I've got it on this Mac here. Because I finally got all my Macs. Yeah, 12.1 is the Monterey version you're looking at. And apparently it doesn't affect, I don't know, it doesn't seem to affect Big Sur or Catalina. So I'm surprised because Apple usually rolls out security patches for older versions of OS as well at the same time. So, yeah. So it's saying here that, that uh, the the bug was, this bug was first disclosed to Apple by um, Fingerprint JS in, in November of 2021. And it was publicly disclosed January 14th, 2022. So pitter patter get at her get that, get that stuff updated Alrighty. um 
Yeah, and then I guess it's time, time, time of year to talk about the Tyob Index. We've talked about this several times on the show before, which is why, again, it's follow-up. And this is sort of the popular languages that are out there. Um, we were watching the rise of Swift, you know, earlier on in the, in the when we looked at this, you know, I guess, how, is this, we're coming up on our eighth year, right? We've been at this for a while? From 2014, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, seven and a half years in. Um, so Swift was like obviously way down there. Objective C isn't even on the list anymore, which is surprising. And uh, well, it's not surprising. Not in the twenty. If you go to the fifty, it ends up uh, at number twenty-four. So it just makes the cut. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, I didn't see the fifty. Yeah, here, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and surprisingly, Python, Mark's favorite, <laughs> is at the top, right? Kicking C's butt and Java's butt. Right? Yeah, it, it's it's always a little bit questionable what these rankings mean right so this is the growth in rank in ratings uh whatever that means what does that mean it's the the 10 friends of the guy who wrote the article right yeah exactly yeah so python actually though is i'm not surprised it's moved up because a lot of back-end stuff now is is on python and the days of the you know python versus ruby on rails uh wars are are long over and python won and even even you know, even hear about Java as much anymore on the back end. It's more, it's it's almost all Python. What I hear, Python and, and or JavaScript. If you're doing Node, oh, so, I just want to point out that COBOL is just one one spot behind Objective C. Just putting it in there. <laughs> yeah, no, having <laughs> the fact that JavaScript is on, is number seven, it, I find that really surprising. That's pretty low. Yeah, well, that's below Visual Basic. I mean, what are, what do these rankings really mean? That's that's the question. Oh, you think mm. you think JavaScript should be higher because of its yeah, ubiquity? In other yeah. sorts of things that list these, I would expect um, JavaScript, Python, and Java to be your top three. So I'm a little surprised that really? C yeah. and C plus plus are so high. Uh, Visual Basic would normally be fairly low, sort of subsumed into um, the C sharp world so i don't know what's going on there unless you know something came out that like hey suddenly there's a ton of jobs to update the old visual basic stuff Uh, just like cobol is going to hang around for a very long time if only because of the banking industry um lots of lots of people still doing that stuff so if if only just to hey somebody understand how to patch this thing oh by the way we've got this multi-year project to replace it with you know pick your language rust let's say and then assembly language is number eight. What's what's that all about? I wonder if people are doing more IoT stuff. The 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 new car smell sort of wore off of IoT for a couple of years there, but I think it's sort of settled into an area where people are figuring out the things it could be used for, and it's less hyped. Right. Oh, well, it's good to know that Swift is up three points from it was at thirteenth position last year. Now it's at tenth. So that's you know making grounds. Making new grounds. I mean, okay, we're gonna, so, not going to take. So this, these ratings, like I actually clicked on the link that explains what the rankings mean, mm-hmm. and then I don't give a precise definition, but it's it's about mentions on search engines. So it's right. not about popularity. It's not about usage. It's about mentions on search engines. So if, for example, a language is really frustrating for people, so they have to search. For answers to a lot of questions, that will actually make it go up on the list. <laughs> well, that would explain why C. So there. yeah, yeah, and assembly language. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I sure, would say yeah. take all this with a grain of salt, a pretty healthy grain of salt. All right, cool. All right, um, 
But there you go. We, our annual look at the, or semi-annual, somewhat annual, biannual look at the Pattaya Index. I don't think we talked about it last year. And uh, this next story is kind of interesting. And we, I think we we saw this at WWDC, if I'm not mistaken, this year, or was it last year? This year, maybe? I forget whether it was this year or last year. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if, if you remember, Apple announced kind of a cool-sounding new product feature uh, called Universal Control, which would allow you to use your Mac uh, keyboard or, or mouse uh, to work on your iPad. So if they're, if they're within range, you know, you could kind of zoom over with your trackpad and move the cursor and it'll flip over to your iPad and start typing on your keyboard and, and it'll show up on the, on the iPad, which is kind of a cool thing. Uh, it's kind of like, kind of like an external monitor would do on a second monitor on your Mac. Right? Well, it's actually interesting that you mentioned that because it, it is different from sidecar. This should not be confused with sidecar, uh, which was the earlier technology that has been around for a couple of years where you could actually use your iPad as an external monitor for your Mac. Uh, so exactly right, what you were right. just describing would happen, uh, except your, it's as if your Mac screen is extended onto the iPad. This is a little bit different. You're still running iPad OS. It's still an independent machine. Everything is separate, uh, except uh, that the keyboard and, and trackpad or mouse work. Oh, on the I iPad. see what you're saying. Right. So right. it's almost like it's a uh, it's it's like a, a an automatic KVM switch that is just triggered by moving the cursor. So you move the cursor over, and it's like your KVM switch flips, and you're yeah. you're controlling the other the other device. But with your, you know, your, you can use do it on your laptop uh, uh, keyboard. So this is kind of a cool thing. Uh, it's in beta now, uh, so presumably we'll see it for real, you know, fairly soon. Pretty cool. I haven't tried it yet, so but I'm kind of excited to try it out. Yeah, I think I think that KVMs do work like that too, right? Like I think a friend of mine has a KVM where you 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 move the cursor over and it'll jump over to the other dev- the other device, whether it's like running Windows or Mac or whatever. Is that not correct? Uh, th- maybe there are some that do that. Yes. Uh, you know, I haven't used a KVM in a while, but yeah, the last time I used one, actually, it was, it was kind of a manual effort where you had to flick a yeah, physical a switch. Yeah. Like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they had something like that in a, in a third party device, but you got to figure it's going to be much more seamless and smooth, uh, on, on this experience because, well, for, if, if for no other reason that one of the, one of the uh, sets of hardware are built into the machine you're actually working on. So, yeah, yeah true. should be pretty good. True. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. Like, I, I guess I can throw away my magic keyboard that I bought from my iPad now. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, it'll work with That's that. That's cool. Potentially. Uh, will it? Actually, actually, I'm not yeah. sure. Sh- you're right. I'm not sure. I don't know whether it goes the other direction. If you can control your Mac... With a magic keyboard, that's that's a good question. Probably, yeah. Not. But I'm actually using right now. I'm using a, a wireless magic um, trackpad, and I've got a wireless keyboard in front of me. So that you're, so this is totally the equipment you would need, right? Um, yep. Once you get it, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That is pretty awesome. So I think it is pretty interesting to to use that sort of feature for a um, you know you don't want to have a whole bunch of mice on your on your desk just to manage those devices. So it's kind of cool to have a software solution that will just let you say, Oh, it looks like there's a notification over there on my iPad. And let me go click on that instead of having to, you know, like an animal, take my hands off the mouse and then go tap (laughs) the notification. Just use my mouse. It's already in my hand. Why not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I, I have a case where a lot of times at work on a zoom call, I'll be sharing my iPad to the zoom call as well as my Mac. 
because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the call on the Mac and then I share the, I share the iPad screen uh, to demo things. So I'm constantly, without thinking about it, trying to use the Magic Trackpad to do something on my Mac or use my Mac to do oh, something yeah. on my iPad. So this would, this would solve a lot of that problem, except for the fact that since I'm screen sharing, I'm actually seeing my iPad screen on my Mac. So I don't know what this is going to do to my brain if, I, if I'm actually using my Mac keyboard to control my iPad, but seeing it on my Mac. <laughs> I have no idea what will happen here, but I want to try it. Mm, cool. Yeah, if you've ever used Google Meet to share um, like your screen and you don't flip over to like another tab, it will do that weird sort of infinite mirror sort of thing that mm. does sort of mess with your brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Oh, yes. This is a new feature that came out this week. If you haven't heard about it, if you don't get email from Apple, I guess. Um, or did, was this announced in email? I guess it wasn't. Um, but Apple has now added support on the Apple Store for developers writing apps to um, publish an app with an unlisted uh, URL. So that basically, I guess it means it won't show up in a search when, you, when you're apps in the App Store? I believe yes. that is correct. I think you have to know the secret URL to get to there. Right. So this is this is kind of a useful thing for certain things. Uh, I, I could see for a lot of enterprise customers or or really niche applications where this app is really only meant for people who are interested in a certain kind of thing or or have a certain kind of account, and just having a lot of people just downloading randomly based on app store search isn't going to help you in a lot of cases. So so you could you could put it up there and and. You know, specifically send the the link to the to your target customers and have them use it. Kind of gets around some of these issues that people did where they were trying. You know, they were misusing the enterprise program to send things to people. Um, some few big companies who had horrible uh, uh, earnings announcements today might have might have done that once in the past. Um, <laughs> Wait, uh, do I have to check my stock? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to check <laughs> do you, to know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we can talk about this I do, later. I, I, yeah, maybe I do. Let's have a look. Yeah. Um, you won't really know about it till tomorrow when, it, when the market. Okay, uh, yeah. 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 It's always a good time to buy when they have a bad report, right? Maybe. I mean, <laughs> bad reports. I mean, we're getting a little off topic here, but uh, yeah, bad reports can mean that the stock is Any will become undervalued yeah. or it could mean that things are really bad and you know, catching a falling knife is, is never a good strategy in stocks because a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times you get cut. Okay. Yep. This is, this is a good, I mean, I, I know of a number of times when people have built apps like, you know, I, I, you know, I know of companies like, you know, if you have an app that is connected to a service, for example, and you know, if you're not a subscriber to that server or user of that service, I should say, um, there's no point in having the app. Right. So, uh, like you said, it could be like insurance companies or banks or that kind of thing, or, or like schools, like talking about higher education students, stuff like that. Conference mm-hmm. attendees is an example. Like mm-hmm. if you have a conference app or something like that, there's no point in putting it out there for people who aren't going to the conference to, to have at it. Right. So I'm just reading here right off the, um, off the Apple documentation, unlisted app distribution, uh, page here. Um, yeah. Plus employee owned devices here that aren't eligible. Be man- some, yeah, some aren't man- eligible to be managed through the school manager or the business manager profiles that Apple has set up, right? So, cool. Oh, and also regions that are are support all regions that are supported by Apple, by the App Store. Hmm. Not sure what that means, but anyway, 
Yeah. That's so, kind of a cool feature. It is. Cause like, you know, let's say you're the, um, you know, you're, you're Netflix and there's a, you know, a cafeteria app that you really want your employees to have, but you kind of don't want to go through the hassle of like, man, putting it through the enterprise, um, distribution stuff. It's kind of a hassle. I kind of want to just look here, new hire, click this link, download this app, uh, figure out how many burritos and you know donuts you want and pre-order them. Um, having an unlisted app seems like it would be uh, kind of a good case for that. And the special organization, special events thing, you can kind of do that with conferences too. That that sort of sticks in my mind as something where you would, um, you know, you kind of want the convenience of the app store distribution without the sort of enterprise profile stuff, um, but don't necessarily want it you know, for everyone to, to, to use and look at. Um, it is something that Apple is going to obviously look very closely at and make sure you're not doing anything untoward. This is not the, uh, the loophole for you to do, you know, whatever terrible CD illegal or immoral things. Um, it's still oh, Apple. You're yeah. still reviewing. This isn't a, a, a free for all. So keep that in mind. Well, I mean, it also seems like, it seems to me that, um, and I've talked to people who, um, use the enterprise, uh, softwares and, and, um, because they're on the enterprise program they're they don't have the same scrutiny, like you said, like they're able to sort of go outside of the sort of realm of, of regular sort of app, app creation to to create features and stuff like that because they're not under that same review process right because um, presumably it's used by a small smaller group like a an enterprise which is you know admittedly not small but still I have talked to developers on on enterprise teams that have, have said, ah oh, we don't have to worry about that stuff you know like whatever issue du jour we're complaining about as developers is right so cool and then Jaime you got to hear a story on iCloud which makes me worried because I was looking up some stuff on my notes app the other day and I couldn't find it yeah this is uh, apparently uh, according to this article here iCloud syncing issues are plaguing third-party apps and um, there's definitely tons of apps you would know of who um, have had complaints and have published dedicated support articles or tweeted about it um, or doing things like disabling iCloud syncing by default. So GoodNotes, um, uh, TapBots, and uh, Mr. James Thompson for PCALC have tried to avoid the you know customer support mess of whatever weird iCloud syncing of user data problems that have been uh, plaguing things. There, there is a developer forum link, a thread in developer forums. Um, hopefully this gets solved real soon because it's... You know, it's an area where you kind of want it to just work, right? You don't want to be wondering where, where the heck is this file? Where where's this data? That's uh, that's one of the things that way way back in the olden days we talked about iCloud's core data syncing. Was that what was the old name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, it was core data, um, iCloud core data. Or something yeah, like what was the? I think it might have just been iCloud core data. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So as opposed to now, it's iCloud. Now it's cloud. Cord. Kit. Cloud Kit. Cloud Kit. Cloud Kit. Cloud Kit. Cloud Kit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Subtle difference. <laughs> <laughs> totally different. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the early one was, was a mess. Uh, I've, I've always heard good things about the later one until this recent thing. It's kind of a shame. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully that's something that could be fixed server side, ideally, so that you don't have to have a, a release of iOS and macOS itself go out to, to resolve this. Yeah, well, or, sh- or ship that, a new version that, of your app. That would be a pain too. Oh man, yeah. If you got to use the yeah. the new API or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of apps that use like I, I use a ton of apps that use iCloud to not and I don't think they're necessarily using um, Core Data in the back end. They may be, I don't know, but um, you know, and I've noticed recently, I like my timer app on my Intel machine has stopped working, and I've been using it for years and years and years. Um, but yeah, that's an example of of a weirdness that I noticed recently. But I wasn't sure if that was related to this or not, right? Um, hmm. Yeah, so consider this your, your public service announcement that if, if you've been <laughs> bashing your head on the keyboard wondering, what am I doing wrong? You you might not be doing anything wrong. It might just be the underlying platform that's doing bad things. Take of course, you'll get blamed for it, unfortunately. But yeah, <laughs> but you can at least take solace. As a developer, you mean? Or? As a developer, right. By the, oh, by the okay. users, by the users, the app users. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that one and see where we go, right? Yeah. Breezy. We didn't talk about some of the, you know, um, things that people might be thinking about and, and possibly by the time this episode goes out might actually be live, like using Face ID with a mask on. Uh, as we sit here on February 2022, the pandemic is still going on. If you're lucky enough to use an Apple Watch like I do, you've been able to unlock your device with Face ID. If you if you flick the little switch that says, you know, use my watch as the other way to verify me. But this, as I understand it, means that people who don't have Apple Watches can take it, you know, part in this fun and unlocking the devices. And even better, they can use Face ID for things like Apple Pay or unlocking apps, right? This only got you into the device itself. Previously, the latest update in, I think, the same beta we were talking about as the, the Face ID upgrade for face masks. So, yeah, 15.4, nice. I think, right? I think it is. I think it's 15.4 beta, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because I think people were, were already posting to Twitter about it, right? So yeah, so that'll be a nice quality of life thing. Um, it it feels like it will continue to be useful, but I'm holding out hope that it will be not very useful soon. Right. Right. Let's <laughs> right. hope. I want yeah. this to be a big waste of time, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> like the hand washing app. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. As we're we're rounding the bases on year two of the pandemic. Well, there's also a rumor we were talking um, off off the before we like a, a couple of weeks ago about isn't there a rumor about a new iPad coming recently or supposedly an event that's coming up soon? Yeah, people are thinking there's a March event coming up. As we sit here, there is nothing yet announced, and given it will almost likely be virtual, and reporters don't have to you know fly in to Cupertino, um, they can just tell you, hey, tomorrow <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna drop some new stuff and check it out. And uh, people will just have to click the links and watch. So we we may not find out for you know almost a good month now from now. Is that going to be like a new i uh, some sort of iPhone and iPad event? What, what, I, I think people what were saying, saying new iPads, uh, Pro models. I think and um, some revision to the iPhone SE. I'm, I'm a little out of date on the on the rumor. Oh, mill. the SE, right? Yeah, yeah. So more more M1 Max or uh, iPads, maybe. I think M1 Pro, M1 Pro. <laughs> yeah, with with 32 gigs of RAM, yeah, 64 gigs of RAM, and 10 cores, and it levitates off the desk when you're using it. You know? Yeah, yeah. So one other new thing we haven't talked about before we get into the picks is what do you guys think of the new and improved and slightly friendlier App Store review process? I haven't really used it, but I why don't you tell us about it, Mark? So it's it's mainly the process. It's not really anything new about how the reviews work but but there, uh, 
the the biggest new thing, well, other than the fact that you get nice friendly emails whenever you do something now, it's like, hey, thanks for submitting this app. Uh, the biggest thing is that you can now submit multiple builds at the same time, oh, which right, is yeah, which is really that, kind yeah. of a change. That's something we never had before. There was always this issue of you know, say you submit your build, it gets approved, uh, but but you have you already have another another uh, build ready, and you kind of don't want to release the first one because you might have some special event coming up. You'd rather have the next one in. So there's this uh, roll of the dice you have to do of okay, you have to you have to remove the other one from approval and put the new one in, and then you're back in this waiting for review and review cycle, and then it's. It's uh, it's always a little bit of of you know nail biting to until it actually gets approved. Things have gotten better now that they've pulled in the review times by quite a bit, but you know you still you still never know what's going to go wrong. Well, now now they've they've gotten rid of that. You can actually have, as I said, two different builds or more than one build, I guess, more than two even uh, at the same time in review at the same time. So you can you can in theory stage releases. I haven't actually done it yet, uh, so I don't know how well mm-hmm. it works in practice but it seems like it could be a, a really useful thing i mean you could you could put uh you could put an app in for review and while it's being reviewed you get an another follow-up version in so so you never have this uh even one minute of not having something available that you could release at any given time once you know once the approval starts uh cycle starts going through. oh Okay, I see. I see what the difference is like so because we've done that before. We've we've had um, multiple like you know we set, we upload a build, we send it to Testlight, and then we upload another build and we and we test that one. It's in uh, in Testlight, right? But you can't submit. Yeah, for, but you it's, couldn't but it's submit not, for not on the store, right? Gotcha. So you can't have two like Q and the Q ready to be released, sort of idea. That the right. Idea? That's right. That's right. So you okay. can have uh, well the the classic case that I can think of. Is you've what I sort of just mentioned, uh, but I'll elaborate a little bit more. Is say you have in two weeks you have a huge event where you want to have your app ready for that event, and so you submit good, you know, good practice. You submit a few weeks in advance, uh, but you're still working on the on the app to get those last few features or last few right. bugs fixed or whatever. Right. But uh-huh. you want to get one in so just in case you have something available that you can release if you need to. And that one gets released, and you're great, and you're ready to go with that previous one. But now you've got this new one that uh, that has extra features, bugs fixed, or whatever. Uh, and I guess I'm talking about sort of a specific case where this is a brand new app where you haven't released it ever yet. So, so you don't want to release that first version, that first approved version. You'd rather release the second version, but it hasn't been approved right. yet. So right. in the old days, you would have to remove the first wait, one yeah. uh, from oh. approval. And then you're in this kind of waiting period where you've got nothing available that's been approved to, that you could possibly release until the second one gets approved. Now you don't have to do that anymore. Maybe this doesn't come off, up often because it's mostly with new apps, but it, it feels like I've been in this situation multiple times in my career. So, so I feel like this will be a, a pretty useful thing. Cool. So since we're talking about iOS 15.4 and things that are coming out, did you know, Mark, you're going to be so excited by this. There's new emojis coming as well. I heard. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) The one where you're going to poke in the eye. Right. The uh, uh, gut-busting burrito man uh, with a large distended stomach. 
people have called that pregnant man, but you know, I, I go with I ate too many burritos, man. Guess got supposed to what? <laughs> you haven't <laughs> seen that emoji? Saying. It's like, uh, no, either, no, like the pregnant woman oh, pregnant emoji. Man. But pregnant man, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's people got the, going pregnant man here. The, the male face, and so I'm like, oh, that's kind of an interesting one. Hmm. Yeah, there's like melting face, there's palm up hand, palm down hand, left leftward hand, hmm. rightward hand, index pointing at the viewer hand, heart hands, which is a very important one, biting lip, uh, person with crown, hmm, interesting. Troll, you can have a troll now in your, your post, mirror balls, yeah, bubbles, x-ray, cool. All right, yeah, there's uh, text scanning with notes and reminders. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because you can do that, do that now with... Um, Oh, I guess they're using the photo app to do that. Because you know how you, I don't know if you guys have been using it, but I love this this new feature in the phone where you, with the photo app where you can take a picture and uh, you can select a text that's in the picture. That was a feature that they, they talked about in the WWDC, but I've been using it a lot. It's not, it's not always 100% accurate, but it's, you know, if you ever need to write a serial number down or something like that, it's super helpful, especially on those tiny ones on the bottom of your Macs. All right, let's move on to our pick. So Mark was asking about my post here because it says, all it says is I won. And uh, it actually comes back from a uh, a Twitter post that, um, uh, let's see here, open link, that uh, Carla, not a robot, uh, posted, um, said, my team had a debate on what the best looping variable variable name is, and I won. No? This is where if we had better production values, we would have the, you know, high quality, uh, you know, Dolby Atmos ring, uh, ring <laughs> shot of the drums going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> with a THX yeah. kind of approval quality <laughs> uh, thing, but yeah. Well, I do have a digital drum hit here. I can do it. Can do a rim shot for you if you like. Yeah. Yes, I won. The lowercase letter I won. The, it was, it's a joke. Okay, moving on. Jaime, do you have a pick? <laughs> yeah, you know, we were talking about the Tyobe Index and uh, Objective-C being, what did I say, uh, 24 on their list. Um, timely here for an article that is now almost five years old, uh, but it's a short history of Objective-C, which ended up on my list at some point. I don't know how I ended up seeing this, probably on Twitter or something, but I actually learned. I had always believed that Next Step was the originator of Objective-C, but it says, no, no. Oh, did you? Oh, Apparently no, not. No, no, no. no there yeah. were some no, predecessor steps yeah. leading up to that. Yeah. yeah. So today I learned. It's funny in here he talks about, you know, the fact that I read part of this article and he says that, um, you know, he, he had a hard time finding the, the history of Objective-C. But ironically, I used to teach iOS development in 2011, 2012, and we, I used to talk about the origins of Objective-C and, and how it was the language that the people at Next used uh, on their systems to write their software. But yeah, it, it comes out of... Um, Smalltalk was initially uh, there, and then the... Two guys, is it Brad, uh, what are their names again? Brad Cox, I want to say, and um, something Love. Tom Love. Tom Love, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they, they were basically work, and they, they wanted to, they liked what Smalltalk did, but it was a little slow, and it was also owned by Xerox at the time, I think, and um, so they wanted to do something similar, and they, they were looking at C, and C didn't have this object-orientated um, idea that... Uh, the original Smalltalk, whose name is Mark, help me here. Smalltalk. Sorry, Smalltalk? What about it? Who invented it? Who was the guy who wrote it? Oh, uh, um... It says here, Alan Kay's... Alan Kay. Alan Kay? Yeah, at Alan Xerox Park. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, at Xerox Park, yeah. So, so they like the idea of writing in objects as opposed to... We used to write code in procedural, if you've ever written 
PHP in the early days. That's how you wrote stuff. Um, and um, the idea of using objects. And so they, they, they objectified C, basically, right? So they took the C language and, and wrapped it in objects and stuff. And that's how Objective-C got its name as well, right? So, cool. Yeah, the middle step there of the, what did they call it? The object-oriented precompiler as being yeah. a, a sort of predecessor to that is interesting. And again, I apparently I knew some of the steps of like, oh, okay, uh, it certainly became pretty popular because of Next Step and being brought yeah. into to Apple through that acquisition. So I had just kind of didn't know the history and assumed it had originated at Next Step. And I was pretty interested in the, you know, when I figured out like, oh, uh, coming into iOS development for the first time and looking at Objective-C, it's just so strange and weird looking for newbies. If you're coming from other C-based languages um, like C, C++, or uh, maybe something like Java, and I remember it sort of not really clicking at the time until I had seen something that said, oh, it's like small talk. I'm like, oh, it totally is small talk. Now I understand the syntax. The syntax suddenly, yeah, yeah. the epiphany shattered through all of the sort of barriers I had in my brain. So seeing that it was, you know, not just small talk-ish in the way that it's, you know, actual syntax work, but that they had looked at small talk and, and liked things about it and said, what if we made a better or at least you know, more refined version of small talk in the ways that they wanted. That's kind of cool to see. It, it kind of closes the loop on some of the things that I've sort of tacitly known, but apparently didn't have the full picture of before. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that uh, people don't realize it, but, but Java and Objective-C both have, they come from the same branch or the same tree, right? So no, not, they're all not based Java, on they all, uh, C++. Yeah, but they're all based on C, right? Like they're all C-based language. Java right? is not C-based. Isn't it? Oh. No, no. I mean, it's, it shares a lot of syntax with C, but it is not C-based. But Objective-C mm. and C++ both are. C++, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of the mm-hmm. Windows and versus Mac kind of idea, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And C-Sharp yeah. is not. Uh, even even uh, uh, regardless of the name, C-Sharp is not a, is not a C-based language, mm-hmm. interestingly okay. enough. Right. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Cool. Yeah, it's always interesting to see where that stuff comes. And Mike, you've got a link here as well. Yeah, so so I I read the article, really enjoyed that article as well, uh, and was motivated to look up something they mentioned in the in that first article, which was the original Byte magazine story on small talk, which is what the founders of Objective C saw and were intrigued by and used to model Objective C on. So I I figured I would see if I could look it up online. And for, for those of you who don't know, they used to actually have whole magazines about computers. You know, they were actually printed on paper. <laughs> Before the it, internet. Yeah. yeah, you'd get it in the yeah. mail every week. Um, hundreds of pages of ads about it's computers. how more than just things. code started, wasn't it? Wasn't it a magazine initially? <laughs> uh, was it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. Yeah, anyway. So, so back in the 80s, there was a magazine called Byte, B-Y-T-E, which was kind of the premium or premier uh, computer magazine. Everybody, everybody read Byte. Uh, and it was, you know, back in the days, there was, it was a much smaller industry, smaller communities. So everyone reading the same magazine kind of made sense as opposed to these days where there's a bazillion different websites for whatever in particular you like. So Byte did, my impression was that Byte did a story on small talk in this, art, in this issue. So I went and looked it up. It turns out it's even better than that. The almost the entire uh, issue of the magazine 
which is 500 pages long, by the way, they must have done that every month, is devoted to small talk. There's probably a dozen articles about small talk or about object-oriented programming in general in this in this magazine. Wow. Now, I have to admit, I, I just looked at this today, so I haven't read most of the articles, but it looks like if you're interested in a kind of a historical view of what things were like 40 years ago, it, it would be a really interesting read. Probably from a technical point of view, everything's very dated now, but you know, just some of the article early articles on what is object-oriented all uh, programming all about, you know, they had to introduce object-oriented programming, which was kind of an amazing concept, but they did. Uh, but so, so it's really interesting. It's really worth looking up, but we've got the link in the notes. But I have to say my, my favorite part was actually not the articles. Looking at all the old the ads, ads. Yeah, all the right? old yeah. ads from 40 years ago. Yeah. There's, they've got ads for the Apple II. They've got ads for the Atari 800. They've got ads for the TRS-80. Um, there's a, a full two-page spread advertising Pan Am Airlines. Do you remember Pan Am? That's an airline yeah. that uh, hasn't existed for a long, long time. Uh, but two, two things in there that I saw that just made me laugh out loud, two, two uh, article or ads. One ad was for a company advertising software that you only have to, you write your software once and it works on all the different platforms. It works on oh, the, right once, the 6502, yeah, wow. it works on the 8080, works wherever you want going to change the world you'll only have to write yourself called once. basic no 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 no, no 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 it was it was something you you know doesn't exist you've never heard of it but just the idea that you know even 40 years ago people were talking about that stuff and we're still not there uh, and probably will never be there uh but but uh, next time someone comes and says oh we have to do this because it'll change everything look up this uh, look yeah. up this ad <laughs> anyway the second the second one was actually even even funnier because it was Someone was selling some software called The Last One. And The Last What? Well, it's the last piece of software you'll ever have to buy because this software writes other software. And you just give it some commands in simple English, and it goes and writes the software for you. You never have to write software again. Yeah. Yeah. This is from the August 1981 issue of Byte Magazine. It's it's, It's worth checking out just to just to see, you know, what it was like back then. I remember those days vaguely. Yeah, like if you like, uh, you can buy an Apple II computer for a thousand dollars, and if you want to buy a yeah. disk drive, that's five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, for that twenty megabyte disk drive, if you're lucky, right? Yeah, hard disk drive. Oh, they're probably even talking. They're just talking about the floppy drives, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The five and a quarter. Not even the hard drive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, different uh, Hayes modems. I remember those things, and and getting expansion cards for your uh, for your uh, computers, your Apple IIs, and yep. so on and so forth. Yeah, and these... do it yourself. Build your own Z Z80 computer, Mark. Yeah. Well, we didn't have those in this country. We had Z80, but it was. I, I think it was very similar. Yeah. <laughs> we had Z80 in Canada. You guys <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Use Z80. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. And they they even advertise uh, you can get the 16k version of your Apple II or the 32k version of your Apple II. That's RAM. That's total RAM. K, not Meg. K. Right. Yeah. Funny, funny days, the old days. Anyway, check it out. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And not all of this, all of this copy would have been set by hand too, because it would. They don't think they had typesetting at that mm. point. Well, no, they, I guess they had typesetting, but they didn't. Yeah. This is all. This is all been would have been laid out by hand. This is, Way yeah. before desktop publishing, even right? Yeah, 
and it's 500 pages long. That's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they would have, they would have run that many ads to get paid for it, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This would have been the magazine to be to be in if you were if you were in that industry too, right? Oh, for sure, Lots for sure. Yeah, yeah. Inside the back cover ad would have been, or back cover ad would have been a big one, and then inside the back cover would have been another good spot to have. It yeah, there was bite. There was compute. I don't remember if it was later. Might have been later. Yeah. Um. What else was there? There was popular computing. But you used to you used to get programs out of this too, right? You used to. Oh yeah. They would people publish the code that way. Oh yeah, this there are there are programs in this this issue. So if you happen to have a TRS eighty lying around, there's some programs just for you in this issue. Here's a controversial article: Is the Smalltalk eighty system for children? Yeah, right. <laughs> cool. Here's one. Okay, let's see. Programming quickies. What have we got this month? We've got Boss, a debugging utility for the TRS eighty model one. Hmm. Uh, what else we got? We've got a review, a software review of Microsoft Editor Assembler Plus. We've got, oh, we've got a, a cartoon about uh, computer shopping where somebody actually brings their computer to the supermarket with them. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy computer shopping. Yeah. Why would you ever need a computer at the grocery store? It's insane. <laughs> yeah. So for your list, because you can't print it out because you couldn't afford a printer. <laughs> We've got something, another program for your TRS-80. That seems to be the popular one here, uh, called a disk catalog for the 80s. Bunch of basic code. <laughs> the first line of the code is, go sub 500. Anyway, if you if you remember basic, you'll laugh at that because it was, you know, yeah. whatever, yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway, that's nice. Check it out <laughs> if you're interested in this stuff. The, the yeah. usage of terminology, even just right there, which what I think is the... When you click the link, I got the second page, I think. Uh, I guess it's technically the third page on Chromix. Chromico, Chromemco's outstanding Unix-like operating system. Mm. Um, just seeing how they describe some things like uh, the very last heading is the standard OS for the future with a hyphen in between. Yeah. So yeah. they hadn't decided that OS would be recognizable enough as just you know, two uh, capitalized letters next to each other. Um, and, and the paragraph above, C compiler available too, with C in quotes. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. It's interesting to be like, yeah, I guess we got one of those two um, file system. We have a file system. I was like, oh, cool. With hierarchical yeah. directories and, and protected files. So interesting to see. Um, and, you know, they had called out Unix and then they had to put the little uh, cross that says, uh, you know, Unix is a trademark of Bell Telephone Laboratories. Mm. Long, long time since hearing some of this stuff. So I'm not familiar with Chromemco. Um, I'm not either. Oh, but I know precisely where they're where they were located. That's funny. I was going to say, like, to any Bernardo Ave, Mountain View, California. If I'm not mistaken, I used to work right there. <laughs> I wonder if it was even the same building. Let me look on. Let me look on the map. That's pretty funny. Obviously, it wasn't called Kremenko, and it was, I'm sure it wasn't even the same building, but it might have been the same spot. Let me, let me see. It is a corporate office, yeah. so it didn't become like a Jamba Juice or something. Hmm. Yeah. Not that far away from Boston yeah. Properties How, and Panasonic. That is funny. I worked in that precise building. Oh, there you go. At, at that address, at least. I don't know if it's the same building at the time. It probably wasn't. Well, it might have been. In, this was 1981. It could have been. Yeah, when I worked at a company called Synopsis. I worked at that address, that exact address. 
How funny. That's a weird coincidence, isn't it? That just this random ad, random page that you called out. That is that that serendipity, Mark. Yeah. Serendipity. Yep. Yep. Anyway. Cool. Nice. It's cool. Cool looking through these kind of. I like to get these actual actual physical magazines and go through them. Mm. We have tons of these old kind of things at our house. Mm-hmm. All righty. Um, yeah, it brings us around to what I've been up to. Last, so have we talked about Grid Studio at all on this podcast? I don't think so. I don't recognize. I don't recognize, so. Grid I don't recognize Studio, this. Grid Studio. Okay, so I have beside me um, a iPhone four that has been taken apart and mounted. And, you know, labeled all the bits and pieces like that. So this company called Grid Studio, um, they're Chinese, and um, they basically sell uh, old I, old technology. They Primarily, uh, we got focused in on this because of iPhones. You can buy, like, an an iPhone, an original iPhone 1 mounted, like, in a, in a, in a frame, right? Um, they take it apart, they, they clean it up. They don't put the batteries in, obviously. They, they put in, like, a, a fake battery. Um, but they just, they, they, it's like a take apart kind of diagram of, of your phone. And, um, those are like five, $600 and those sell out like in a second. So if, once, once you find out that they're available, they, they go quick. Um, so anyway, so I've got, but I've, I've got a ton of phones here too. And I've, I've obviously got the skills too. So I'm probably going to just take my own iPhone one apart and, and mount it this way. Cause you know, barely runs as it is. But and I've got my my iPhone three just happened to die uh, again. The battery exploded a couple of weeks ago, so um, I'm going to mount that one too. But yeah, so if you're looking for a really sort of cool keepsake of this era, um, check out this link you've got here in the show notes to um, Grid Studio and check out the sales. I bought a, a little um, what do you call it acrylic, um, you know, like mounted A7 chip as well. Um, just, you know, the A7 is, I think that's the first Apple Silicon, right? Um, yeah, so check it out, uh, check this out. So and then another thing, do they, yeah, go ahead. Do they, does it come with the hardware or do you put your own hardware in? No, 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 it, it comes like you, you, you basically buy, they, they source the phones. They won't, they won't take your phone and do it. They won't okay. take your phone okay. and, and put it together, but I'm thinking about doing it myself. Like I'm going to take my apart, my phone apart and, and mount it myself. Cause I, I, got the graphic skills to do that right mm-hmm. um but yeah and there's there's a, actually there's also a, somebody on etsy that does a similar thing as well where they they take apart phones and that one the, the one on the listing on etsy will will take your phone and i think it's about 300 dollars to get them to to take your phone apart and mount it for you right um but yeah so it's it's kind of a cool thing like if you're collecting but you can also get like nintendo game boy stuff you can get you know game controllers you know uh they'll they'll do I, actually i have a blackberry i could take apart that'd be kind of cool <laughs> but the, you know so it, it's kind of like uh, if you look at the if you clicked on the link there um you'll see all the the, the way they, they sort of mount them right so i bought this just before christmas and uh it arrived uh it's really well packaged i mean like i gotta say like really well done um and yeah so you can see the 4s or 4 that i bought yeah game boy they've got here on the link here and yeah, if you look at the the grid, they call it Grid One. That one's the original iPhone. It's always sold out. Um, but yeah, so like I said, I'm gonna take mine apart and mount it. But yeah, you can get like Game Boys and stuff like that. These are obviously you know things that are no longer working, right? Yeah, check it out. You can join the, the mailing list, and they'll they'll notify you when when the, um, the iPhone One comes out. If you're interested in mounting a phone on your wall for Apple nostalgia. And away you go. So the other thing too is, so you know, I've talked about uh, um, neuroplasticity, and and um, you know, since I I did a, le- a talk and an article a couple of years ago about you know how you know y- you learn things and uh, using 
neuroplasticity, I kind of like hack my own skills, right? So over the last, you know, couple of years, I've taught myself how to touch type by using uh, these techniques of using short, you know, bursts of uh, practice and uh, skills and that kind of stuff. And so I've, I've um, I bought a, at, at Boxing Day, I bought a keyboard and uh, got this app called Melodics. I just, you know, it was an ad, I can't remember how I saw it. It came in my email box or came on, um, uh, showed up in, in uh, Facebook or something like that. And I, and I kind of was intrigued by it. What it is, is very similar to, I don't know if you guys have played or heard of Rock Band on PlayStation. It's a, a game where it's a, it's a, you plug your actual guitar into it. Very similar to how Rock Band or what was that uh, uh, iPhone game that came out before um, where you tap, tap, tap revolution. Remember that game? Yep. You know, where you see like uh, those little uh, icons move down the screen and you tap the screen when they cross a line, for instance. So it uses that um, methodology to teach you how to play piano, right? Um, so you're looking, you have your, in front, so, so you get an actual key, MIDI keyboard, you plug it into your Mac or your iPad, and um, it takes you through and it teaches you how to build muscle memory to learn how to play a keyboard with your right hand and left hand and kind of thing and and to play in tempo and play on time and you know and you learn different scales and that kind of stuff as well as you go i've been doing it for like i think i hit 40 or 50 days that i've been doing it so far and yeah it's amazing i'm actually working on arpeggios right now which are really tough but um yeah so i'm trying to teach i'm teaching myself how to play piano and it's like five minutes a day like no more than that um and uh surprisingly gibson has also come up with a guitar app that does very similar thing um i've been playing guitar for i don't know i bought my first guitar in university so it would have been like 35 years ago maybe so i've been playing guitar for 35 years i play um with my bare hands i like i i have long fingernails and i and i finger pick my guitar and, and you know i strum with my thumb and that kind of stuff but i've never really mastered playing with a pick so i've been using this gibson app to teach myself how to play guitar with a, with a pick. Admittedly, I've got already got skills to play guitar, so I'm going through. I have to go through the beginner levels, which is kind of annoying. But um, but it's a, the same model where you you on your phone or your iPad, um, the the notes you know move across the screen and you and you strum or you pick the string, and it shows you you know it teaches you which fingers to use. Now, what's interesting about the keyboard thing is I play. I taught myself how to play piano years and years ago when I was a kid, but never really properly. And um, so, this what this app does is not only teaches you how to how to, and both of them do the the the, the Gibson app on the on the guitar and the um, piano app um, teaches you how, which finger to use, which is kind of interesting too. Because like naturally, I would sort of use my index and my thumb. But in this case here, like touch typing, you learn to use your middle finger or your baby finger, depending on what you're playing, right? So like an arpeggio is thumb, middle finger, baby finger, thumb sort of thing, and you just go back and forth. Um, and as well, also, I don't know if I, I may have mentioned this before, but at the beginning of COVID, because I can't play with my band, because we, we couldn't get together and jam, I bought myself a, a digital drum set. And uh, the Melodics app also works with drums. So you can, if you want to learn how to play drums, the melodic app is kind of cool for that too. So anyway, I know it's a, I know it's a, an app pick, um, not necessarily technology, but it is using brain science. It is to teach you like some sort of like the way Duolingo and those kind of things work to teach you in little bits of, at a time how to build muscle memory and learn skills, learn to read music, that kind of stuff as well. At the same time, so those are uh, my picks for today. Questions? No. <laughs> yeah, have I ever told you about the positive grid spark practice amp? Noah. Okay. 
I will save that for next time. Okay. Positive, yeah. what's it called? Positive Grid is the company. It's the Spark uh-huh. practice amp. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you about it next time. You can tell me about that's it. That's enough for cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah, put it, put it in your pick. We'll put it in your pick. We'll put it in your pick. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Mark, if people can catch, get in touch with you, where will they find you? Markar at smapsoft.com. And I don't know if you noticed, but the way you said, hey, Mark, sounded like it was from that movie. Oh, hi, Mark. Anyway. You know, you know, another effort. Never mind. No, no. I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? No, which, uh, all right, do your thing and then I'll look it up. Well, wait. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally staying in the show. <laughs> and Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, I'm on Twitter as at dev with the hair. All right. And as usual, my name is Tim Mitra, T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll say bye-bye. bye bye. 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 <laughs> This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. So, so there was this movie, which I've never seen, uh, called The Room. Which oh, is, the Tommy Wiseau movie? The yeah, Room? universally yeah. considered the worst movie ever. Uh, and But there was a documentary about the making of The Room, which people actually like, about you know, the making of the worst movie ever. And anyway, there's this, apparently there's this scene in the movie uh, where the horrible, uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to get sued, but uh, you know, the guy who uh, uh, is portrayed as being a horrible actor, how about that? Uh, comes in and he says oh hi mark and and it's become like a meme so that's oh, that's really? what i was referring to seen any good episodes of boba fett recently <laughs> i haven't actually seen today's so i gotta <laughs> i gotta catch up um my my one word my my two word review well like a three word review of it, it's whole old home week on um on boba fett i'll save that for tomorrow but you'll you'll know it you'll get it when you see oh, it. <laughs> did luke skywalker show up again i'm like no i'm not gonna give it away you can't can't force me to ruin it for you. Have you watched it yet, Mark? No, but I watched Mandalorian right. finally. That's all I know. Oh, well, the, la- the last the last episode of uh, Boba Fett was pretty much it was like it was the return of the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. It was, the oh. actor who plays Bo- uh, Boba Fett wasn't even on the sh- on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just the recap. <laughs> and he gets top cre- he gets top credit, right? Like like he's the top guy, right? It's wild. They've definitely yeah. got this set up so that they can get you to to watch all the all the series right yeah you can't just be like oh i don't want to see that one no you kind of have to if you want to see the rest of this story they're trying to do the marvel universe thing where Mm -hmm. there's enough of a little tie-in that it hooks you in to see the next movie Mm. yep yeah the um 
the Washington football team in the NFL has a, an official name now. Yeah. The Commanders. What do you think of the name? It's a it, kind of odd name because yeah. everybody immediately said the commies, especially because yeah. they're red, <laughs> red right. and gold for their colors. Right. Um, yeah. but looking at their yeah. Reddit, they've, their fan base is sort of split. Some people don't like it. They want it Red Wolves or some other thing. And some people are like going full on. There's various pictures of Dan Schneider, the owner of the Washington football team, in like a Mao Zedong or uh, USSR Soviet propaganda style stuff. So, hmm. yeah, you'll you'll definitely have some fun looking at the memes for this one for a while. Yeah, I kind of wonder if this will last. They could change it again in a couple of years. Uh, it just doesn't. I don't know. Who wants to say Washington Commanders? It doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what the. I don't think I've seen a mascot yet. Just the the new uh, the new kit. New. Yeah, and how are they going to abbreviate it? I mean, the commies. No, they can't use that. Obviously, Uh, the comms, the wash comms. It just doesn't. Just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Who do you like in the Super Bowl? I mean, for you Canadians, you know what the Super Bowl is, Tim. Yeah, it's some yeah, okay. sort of like a uh, sport event where you guys kick a ball around. It's, it's and sort of like some, it's some kind of like rugby. Things in the middle of it. Yeah, it's kind of like rugby, kind of. Yeah, kind of like rugby. Well, <laughs> like rugby. Yeah, we don't play rugby up here. But, well, oh, you don't play, play rugby? rugby yeah. uh, we, well, we do. We, we but we have this thing called Canadian football. Where oh, that's right, you do. Yeah, three yeah, downs yeah, yeah. and 115 yards. Right. So the right. field is longer, and the you have less downs to complete the same amount of work. You know. Hmm. So yeah. Yeah, it's, the one who uh, it's the most maple syrup wins. Hard to choose between the Cincinnati Bengals and the LA Rams. Um, neither team looked like world beaters in their championship uh, div- uh, conference championship games. So I'm trying to look back and see the the Rams are pretty pretty stacked when it comes to their wide receiving core. Yeah, um, the Bengals with Joe Burrow, the young quarterback, or I don't know, just find a way to win. So I'm almost. I'm almost thinking a, a Bengals win, but I haven't yeah. seen the Las Vegas line. I, I think I think Matt Stafford is hungry after all those years of being on mediocre teams. Uh, he's hungry. He's ready. So I, I'm going to pick the Rams. Hmm. Let's see. What is the Vegas line? Am I looking at the official thing here? Uh, Rams are a four-point favorite. Hmm. Or they okay. opened as a four-point favorite. Yep. Um, oh, I didn't realize it takes place at SoFi. They got the home, yeah, the home stadium too. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Okay, that that's going to be hard to beat. Get to sleep in your own bed. Home, they're the home team. So the usually the Super Bowl is played at a at just a a predetermined site every year, and it's picked a few years in advance. Uh, But every once in a while, it just so happens that the uh, the team, one of the teams that goes to the Super Bowl, is the home team for that stadium. Uh, and this year it happens to be that way. It happened a couple of years ago too in Tampa too when when uh, the Bucks went. Hmm. But it's not. It doesn't happen too often. Pretty uncommon. Yeah, they're determined well in advance. Um, yeah, this article does not have the thing I wanted to see. Oh, there it is. SoFi Stadium is this year. Next year is State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, where the Cardinals play. After that. In 2024 is Allegiant Stadium where Las Vegas, the Raiders play. And then 2025, the Caesar Superdome in Nolens where the um, Saints play. Nolens? 
New Orleans, Nolens. Nolens? Yeah, Nolens thinking. And they're generally in warm weather or domed um, stadiums, yeah. with the rare exception when they did Detroit and um, New York, which were pretty pretty controversial at the time of like, is this a bad idea or not? You don't normally want to risk heavy snowstorms in New York or yeah. in um, They wouldn't in do it in Green Bay. That wouldn't make a lot of sense. Green yeah. Bay or Minnesota, somewhere yeah. like that. Actually, Minnesota's a dome, isn't it? So, Mark, uh, somebody posted Zuckerberg saw his shadow. Oh. <laughs> he saw somebody's shadow sneaking up on him today. Yeah. Wall Street's. Yeah. Yeah, they were down 20% after hours. He saw that really privacy protection that. shadow. That's what <laughs> yeah. the, the iPhone yeah. privacy protection uh, yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe it's Tim Cook's shadow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this whole metaverse rename is it's kind of silly. They're just. Doesn't seem like things are going well over there. But what do I know? No. Hmm. I don't know. I'm still up like seventy uh, percent on their stock. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I bought it. I bought on day one, though, right? So when everybody said you're a fool to buy on day one, yeah. but I, but I, so I ended up. I, I had a few shares. And I sold them when they when things got bad and we were not supposed to have hold them anymore. So I sold it and bought Apple stock instead with the money. Hmm. So got some free Apple stock from Facebook. So I can't complain. There you go. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting at 3.23, down off their peak from 2021 of about 3.70. They closed at 3.23 today, but that was before the bad announcement. So in after hours, they dropped to like 2.50. Wow. So what was the announcement that that they're, um, they're, uh, Uh, let's see. Like they had a poor quarter or something or what? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're getting killed by the, um, by the privacy stuff in iOS 14. Oh, I see. Yeah, in after hours they're at two forty nine, but you know who knows what it'll be. We'll see what it is tomorrow. So if, uh, Facebook shares plunge more than twenty percent on weak earnings. Big forecast miss. Revenue in the first quarter will be between twenty seven billion and twenty nine billion. While analysts were looking for that number to top thirty billion, that's pretty bad. So, Doesn't mean like they're going to go out of business though. What's up? Doesn't mean they're going to go out of business though. Right? No, they're not going to go out of business. No, of course not. Puts a cap on things. Imagine if you had, you know, hundred thousand dollars worth of st- then hundred thousand dollars worth of stock that you just signed on as a brand brand new fresh employee, oh, and yeah. then you have this happen. Yeah. And how big of a chunk yeah. of that hundred thousand does that take right out of your pocket? Yeah, mm, right. Okay. That's a consideration for longevity when it comes to being able to retain and recruit talent. So definitely not a thing mm. you want to see. Mm. Uh, Google Parent. Alphabet is up, and they're doing a twenty-for-one stock split. So instead of hmm. twenty-nine hundred, it'll be significantly less. Oh, is that today as well? Google announcement. Yeah, so it looks like there'll be one hundred and forty-eight dollars per share after the split, roughly. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be worth buying just on the psychology of it. You know, people. Of course, when a stock splits, it really has no effect on the value of the company, right? But people have this conception that it does. Uh, so, so a lot of times the stock will go up after uh, because all of a sudden oh, it's much cheaper. Think think people think it's it's a it's lower priced, and so they buy the stock. Purely, it's psychological because it's it's not a real effect. Just put the stock at zero effect on the valuation of the company. But people don't understand that. A lot of people don't, for some reason, don't understand market cap. They just think of price and. Mm-hmm. Price is not really the important factor. Hmm. Yep. 
I haven't read the reasons for it. Generally, people do the split when they want to attract a different kind of investor. Um, it's pretty pricey to get in at almost $3,000 yeah. a share. So yeah. Hypothetically, you have yeah. more average so, investors. Uh, yeah, it, it is true. There's, there is there is an effect in some sense on on you can increase demand when the price is lower because more people will want it because they can afford it. Um, but it also increases supply. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. It, yeah. Amazon sitting at around 3000 uh, per share. Interesting that they have yeah. not split. I wonder if they'll, uh, if they'll ever split or yeah. if they've gone with yeah. a different approach of like, no, we want a very particular kind of investor who can afford yeah, well, a pony. Well, well, you know, in the old days, in the old days that, that made some sense because in the old days, if you want to buy stock, you have to call your broker and yeah. you know buy a lot of a hundred shares at whatever price it is. And you know if it's three thousand bucks times a hundred, that's a lot of money. But these days, you, know, you just go online, go to on E-Trade or whatever, and buy or Robinhood, and you know buy point one shares if you want. <laughs> so the really? price you really less means less. Share? Yeah, you can really? buy less than a share now. Fractional it's, share investing yeah, fractional is shares. Uh, yeah. kind of an interesting thing that people are doing. There's um, a bank, I can't remember their name off the top of my head, just announced a new, um, actually, I don't know, I assume it's a credit card. I assume it's a a rewards credit card, but could be a debit card. Nevertheless, they've announced a new card product that's in partnership with a company called Bumped out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and they do fractional share investing. So I think the idea is... You know, swipe at Target, swipe at Starbucks, uh, McDonald's, Nike, wherever, and you'll get fractional shares of those companies. Hmm. So you can you can absolutely own micro fractional pieces of uh, yeah. stock. Really? Yeah. 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 No more no more uh, old fashioned stock certificates. It's uh, it's all no. all digital, all infinitely divisible. Yeah, you won't find you know locked in a trunk in your grandmother's attic the original one share of IBM that that she bought. 50 years ago, that's now worth, you know, more than your house. <laughs> right. Those days are gone. <laughs> right. There was a movie. Um, gosh, what's the name of that movie? The basic plot was like, there was like an old man, right. And the, the family doesn't want to take care of him. Right. And he just keeps talking about McDonald, McDonald. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll take you to McDonald's. We'll take you to McDonald's. And instead spoilers for this really old movie. It turns out that this is during the days when McDonald and Douglas merged. And he's like, I have a share, a stock certificate for McDonnell. It is worth mm. a lot of money now is what he was trying to say. But, mm. you know, he's gone senile, so they don't, they don't want to pay attention to him. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Holy smokes, the internet is awesome. I actually found it. It's called Folks from 1992, starring um, Tom Selleck. Yeah. It's not that long ago. What are you talking about, Harvey? <laughs> old movie ancient history I'm thinking like the 50s <laughs> we we yeah. we bifurcated the whole again we were talking about how age becomes asymptotic yeah. or I'm like eventually becoming infinite years old uh yeah. yeah there's that split between you know your your birth year begins with 20 um there are people who are adults even though their birth year begins at 20 and they can legally drink too yeah. in the US of A yeah Many of them are 21 this year. That's crazy. Wild. So 92, I mean, you're talking, you know, depending where you draw the line, it's at at least a decade prior to them even existing, at least, depending on which which 20 is part of their year. Hmm. So it's interesting. Tomorrow, 
who will win? Will it be Facebook pulling down the market or Google pulling up the market? I don't know. They're both in the S&P 500. People getting twitchy. Bad bad stuff happened in the crypto world today. Um, Solana and uh, the wormhole Ethereum thing. I I don't know enough about the crypto world to speak about this intelligently. They had a bad smart contract. People were able to scroll out a whole bunch of money um, out of it. Mm, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, so it's just a bad confluence of nervousness about the pandemic. Your nervousness about well, crypto's been hurting a lot past few months. You know, tech um, it's is way it's way way down. Yeah, the, the tech was doing pretty badly, but just what what day was it? Was it Monday or was it Friday? I forget now. I lose track of when it was. But they had the biggest day ever, uh, and so a lot of the a lot of of companies uh, got their gains back, like Apple's back at one seventy now, something like that. Well, I don't know how they did today. But yeah, it's well. I mean, people are nervous about potential war in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. and still worried about COVID. Still worried about uh, inflation. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons for people to be worried. But yeah, let's see. The block blockchain bridge wormhole suffers possible exploit worth over three hundred twenty-six million. Wow. A smart contract was written incorrectly and somebody figured out how to exploit it as i saw it described they had a boolean check that if if you had a valid signature that was equal equal to a guardian signature it would get approved however Mm -hmm. somebody figured out hmm i have an invalid signature and a non-guardian signature that also gets approved because those are considered equal so it's definitely uh a very terrible bug that led to a whole bunch of money being squirreled out of, uh, I don't know if it's hmm. Wormhole or it's Solana, I'm not sure where exactly they pulled the money out, but there's a, it, it, I mean, it was so sort of desperate for them to say, hey, so you've basically done a bug bounty, we'll, if you return the money, we'll give you a whole <laughs> bunch in return, and hmm. uh, I don't think you'll ever see those people again. No, especially since all the stuff is untraceable. You know what wallet it went into, but you have no idea who owns that wallet. Mm-hmm. wallets are just the number mm-hmm. so what did ethereum stock or not stock but the price of ethereum do today Let's see yeah. Oh, yeah it dropped yeah. from 2700 to around 26 26.5 not terrible tim i learned since our last episode what you had done on uh well that sounds that sounds accusatory how you had minted the uh, MTJC and Spotcast oh, yeah. NFT. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. that OpenSea yeah. has a thing called lazy minting where the ultimate buyer, or at least the first buyer, will be the one who pays the gas fees, the Ethereum gas fees. Oh, really? So that's how you were able to do uh, it without poning okay. up the money. Yeah. Okay. What? <laughs> yeah, because remember Mark was saying that normally you would have to no. pony up the money ahead of time for the gas and, and to yeah. mint it and we were wondering yeah. how the heck did you just create it without having to pay the money? And it's as OpenSea as a thing called lazy minting that they offer as a feature. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that reminds me. I'm gonna move some money, some of my Bitcoin around. Oh, have you looked at your Bitcoin in the last few weeks? Oh, it goes up and down. It's like it's like a toilet. I, I'm still way ahead of what I originally invested, so I'm not really worried. You know? You sure? <laughs> I don't know how long ago you. No, invested, it's gone. But... It's gone down quite a bit since. Yeah, since it got before. hit hard last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a lot. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. 200 yeah. bucks, right? Yeah. So. 
there's a uh, coin.cloud uh, crypto ATM in uh, uh, one of the the local areas here. And I was like, oh, I might want to try that mm-hmm. just for for giggles, you know, putting in $20 bills to buy, I think it was like $40 to buy one milli Bitcoin, 0.001, I think. Mm-hmm. I did the math correctly. So it, right today, it's uh, below 36,700. 36, yeah, so there you go. So two two crisp million twenty dollar bills, and I'll be able to, to buy buy a million million Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, Open Sea. That's what you're talking about. What I don't understand is why the two NFTs have different um, item activities. Oh wait. Chase. Oh wait. Hold yeah. on. Maybe. Oh. Huh. Oh yeah. There you go. So when I look at the MTJC logo one, and then you look at the mm-hmm. the row that says you know. Activities like minted, unit price, uh, from and to. Uh, it has a quantity of 100, which I don't understand what that means. Whereas the Spotcast one does not have that quantity. Yeah, the Spotcast one hasn't been minted. I, I bought the I bought the MTJC one a different way using that op- OpenSea thing you were talking about, right? So mm-hmm. the quantity means that there are only 100 of them available to be bought and sold. To be bought, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what gives them the value. In theory, it gives it value. So when you when you lazy minted these, you minted them differently. So the the spot cast yeah, one well, is the a first singular one, I, one. First one, I just went straight. First one, I went straight in and minted something or other, and then the second one, I went in and um, uh, looked at how to, how it's done, and I used the open C, I used a different type of coin to back it. Mm-hmm. The other first one was backed with Ethereum, I think. And they wanted, like, every time I went to see how much it would cost to, to mint it, it kept saying, oh, the pricing for minting is really high. Don't do it. So I said, nope. Yeah, yeah it looks like, you know, like Spotcast is on Ethereum blockchain, and the MTJC ones are on Polygon. Oh, yeah. Polygon's mm-hmm. much cheaper. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. much cheaper gas. That was the one. I feel like this UI could do a better job of rendering that. Like, I shouldn't have to dig into a details to see that, I feel like. Yeah. Unless it's more seamless than I am aware of, having never purchased one of these. Because, mm-hmm. you know, this looks like a basic e-com sort of setup, right? Make an offer, what's the activity, you know, listings and etc. So, I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Null address is a very user-unfriendly way of saying that like, there is no but, from... It's, yeah, it's kind no, of like the, nothing in this space is user-friendly. <laughs> <laughs> the tools are a mess. <laughs> So one one thing you could do, Tim, just to drum up interest, is have you can you can define properties on these things, and so like you could have uh, different background colors or different foreground colors of the, of the like the, the keys, and and make some more rare than others. So mm-hmm. then people find the the rare ones are more desirable. They'll pay more for them. So drives the price up of those things like that. Yeah. That's and these people, do. where are these people who are going to buy these things? Are they? Well, it's all marketing, right? I mean, yeah. people spend millions of dollars on these things. Yeah. Collectors, Tim. Collectors. Yeah. More money than brains. Yeah. Yeah. People buy stuff. Um, you know, you could, I think, if if you actually paid, I guess, apparently the the, the real minting price to to um, to make it connected, you could. Put these yeah. on Twitter and have the the nice little hexagon, uh, unique avatars. Yeah. So on on OpenSea, go to the homepage, top page, and if you scroll down to where it says top collections over the last seven days, are you there? Is it OpenSea.io. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so you see in the list of top collections, you see number two is Board Ape Yacht Club. Yeah. So this Board is Ape kind Ape. of the most famous one. You can see the floor price on this is 100 Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually kind of wondering what that 33,000 is. Is that 33,000 Ethereum? I don't know. But if what, but Ethereum's, you know, roughly 2,500 bucks a piece. So even if it's 100 mm-hmm. times 2,500 is 250,000 to buy one of these things and mm-hmm. look at them. Now click in, look at them. That's, they're like monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. They're just yeah. pictures of monkeys. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a, a restaurant in New York that's using these exactly the way that I've internalized them is like the token is interesting from an authorized user, not an authenticated one. You don't know who it is. It's kind of like a house key or a, or a car key. Whoever, yeah. you know, whoever, uh, uh, you know, holds this has the power uh, with the, the NFT image itself being kind of like a cool keychain, you know, Washington commanders keychain or, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs keychain sort of thing. But there's a restaurant in um, New York that's opening up that is using the NFT as an exclusivity sort of thing where they're using it as like a club membership card sort of thing. And it's like 30,000 minimum or something. So it's like, clearly you have to have enough money to have the air of exclusivity to join this essentially country club sort of thing. So I think that is probably the most practical use case I've seen for these. And you could hypothetically do things with like, you know, resellers of my account and all sorts of other things with centralized database. But I'm like, I could sell my $30,000 New York restaurant NFT to somebody in Zimbabwe. And it would be just as easy as if they were here in the Seattle area. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my personal feeling is that all this stuff's going to collapse. I mean, it's, it's just, there's, too much out there, not enough real value. It's tulip bulbs. It's you know, it's going to collapse probably soon. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, it sounds like we're losing Tim. <laughs> it's getting it's getting late over I'm, there. I'm trying to, yeah. trying to figure out how to put this up on auction. <laughs> so number, um, what is this? What was in the top top number thirteen in the last seven days is Board Ape Kennel Club. Yeah. Just a whole bunch of, um, what are these, Shiba Inus? They're dogs. Dogs, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, my significant other's got some some art stuff. I could tell her, hey, look, can you make stuff so there's variations like like a paper doll sort of effect? Changeable heads, changeable uh, outfits. Yeah, stuff. I was thinking of taking some of our MTJC artwork and making them into NF- NFCs just for fun. Maybe I can draw some monkeys. That would work, right? Well, and unfortunately, the making of the content is the easy part it's the convincing yeah. people to buy it that's the hard part well it's just like like anything with like building apps right yeah mm-hmm. who knew people would download our app even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.